0: What's new, listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you're on the mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we're covering Something to Talk About, the 2020 Sapphic Workplace Contemporary Romance Novel by Meryl Woltzner. And joining me for that discussion is my good friend Logan, who has already been on Two Cents Critic previously to discuss Sure, Love, and Thunder, and then our top 10 books of 2022. Say hello, Logan. Welcome back to the show. Hey,
1: everyone. It's good to be back.
0: Yay. Thank you so much for coming back here. Maybe for any new listeners who haven't listened to those previous episodes that you're on, do you want to give a little introduction about yourself and, you know, maybe your, your bookish tastes?
1: Sure. Um, so I'm just a college kid. I run a, bo- a book, a queer book discord server. Um, and I read a lot of queer rom-coms. I've been branching out and doing other queer books, but I'm mainly focused on trying to read some good queer literature.
0: Good, very good, yes. And, and I'm also part of the Discord server as well, I should say that. So lots of you know, good conversations happening there, lots of fun. Indeed. And uh, something to talk about, again, that's the book we're covering today. You love this book quite a bit, and I this was my first time uh, reading it. Well, I mean, technically, me first time because I should I should say that I had actually intended to cover this last year with uh, another guest, but then the other guest ended up having a trouble with the book because of how slow burner was. So then I ended up having to cancel the episode, put the book on a back burner. I ended up accidentally DNFing it, and now it's like okay, I gotta I gotta get back to the book this time, and so that's why. I have episode this time doing a review, so I'm glad I was able to finish it. But yeah, so uh, for something to talk about, uh, again, Sapphic, uh, contemporary romance book. And before we uh, get into our general thoughts and feelings about the book, I'm going to read the uh, read the back cover for any listeners again who may be unaware of what the book is. A showrunner and her assistant gave the world something to talk about. When they accidentally fuel a ridiculous rumor into this debut romance. Hollywood powerhouse Joe is photographed making her assistant Emma laugh on the red carpet, and just like that, the tabloids declare them a couple. The so called scandal couldn't come at a worse time, threatening Emma's promotion and Joe's new movie. As the gossip spreads, it starts to affect all areas of their lives. Paparazzi are following them outside the office, co workers are treating them differently, and a source is feeding information to the media, but their only comment is no comment. With the launch of Joe's film project fast approaching, the two women begin to spend even more time together, getting along famously. Emma seems to have a sixth sense for knowing what Joe needs, and Joe, known for being aloof and outwardly cold, opens up to Emma in a way neither of them expects. They begin to realize the rumor might not be so off base after all, but it's acting on the spark between them Was fanning to Gossip Flames? Alright, so, that's the back cover. Now let's get into our general topic feelings on something to talk about. Logan?
1: I really enjoyed this book. Uh, Even though it's a slow burn, I blew through it really quick. I just enjoyed the writing style a lot. The author, they did an amazing job of just, like, building up their story, I feel like. So, yeah, I breezed through it really quick. I loved it. absolutely adored the book and the couple.
0: Good, good. And I, I should ask, actually, how many times have you read this book? Is it just once or is it more?
1: I read it twice. So I read it last year, like when I first picked it up, and then I did read it again okay. leading up for this podcast. Okay, good, good. Podcast, so.
0: Good, good, yeah. I also have uh, quite a bit of appreciation for this book as well, I must say. Even when I was starting it last year, and I was I read all the way up to chapter 8, and then that was the point well, I ended up having to stop because the episode got canceled, and I wasn't able to find a replacement guest for the podcast. I stopped at that point, but up to chapter eight, I was like, "Okay, I'm vibing with this so far. I know it's slow burn, but I'm vibing with the slow burn so far." And I should say, I think I typically, I'm, okay, I can be okay with slow burn as long as it's executed correctly, as long as it's keeping me engaged. But if something is slow burn, but it just comes off as more just slowly paced, like a slog, and that's when I have more of a problem with it. But here, and I feel like this is definitely the ultimate, like this is maybe the slow burniest romance I've read it in a while. It's the
1: slowest, and I agree, it's the slowest slow burn I think I've ever read. <gasps> Probably because I DNF most slow burns. I hate slow burns. Oh. But this book was so good, and the author did it so well that I just like, I loved it.
0: Yeah, and 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 for and so when I dived into the book for this time, reading it for this podcast specifically, I was glad to feel like you know once I got past chapter eight and I was able to just keep reading throughout the book, I was like you know what I'm really enjoying this, and once I finished the book, I'm like yeah, I very much enjoyed that. I feel like it lives up to the reputation. It's not even just a slow burn. I I I still am fascinated by how by how Mel was able to tackle some uh, some risky tropes in this book. I feel like with the uh, with the employee boss trope, I feel like th- that could have been so clunkily handled. I agree. And even in the book, like did you even call out the the predatory lesbian trope? Though so, does worry about that. Like, oh, am I falling into that stereotype? They did call it out in the book, and we got acknowledged. Mm-hmm. It could have ended up then it could have ended up being clumsy in that aspect as well. Also, I feel, well, there is an age gap in the book as well, although I feel like the age gap is not the most age gappiest thing I've read, because Emma, okay. Emma is 27, and then Joe is over 40. I would say for Mel Wilson's other book, Mistakes Are Made, that was more age gappy.
1: I was I was gonna bring up mistakes were made because I feel like navigating tricky tropes is this author's strong suit. Like they do it so well. Yes. Like they take tropes that sh- could go wildly wrong, <laughs> and navigate it very well. Um, and I have other thoughts relating this book too. Mm-hmm. Um, mistakes were made. We can get into that later. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I should I should also say uh, mistakes were made for any listeners who want to wear. I said that that's more age-gappy because one of the characters is 38, the other one is 21 or 22 I keep forgetting which one it is, it's it's either 21 or 22, but still, that's the age gap here I think it's 22 Okay, yeah, one of those, but that's why it's more risky in that book But again, I thought it was pretty well handled in Mistakes are Made And for going back to something to talk about, I also did appreciate how this achieved its inclusion with Emma being Jewish and Joe being Chinese-American, in a notably be- being neither Jewish nor Chinese-American himself. but I think he did a good job weaving those elements naturally into the story. I feel like sometimes you read a book from a writer who's trying to write like outside, say, to the, the race or religion or sexuality, and it can come off something like they're trying their best, but they're not doing it in the smoothest fashion, but I feel like it was pretty well handled here. I would say, though, I can't like, speak personally For the Jewish part, because I'm not Jewish, but for the Chinese-American part, I feel like that was pretty well handled. I feel like I can say that as a Taiwanese-American myself. Although, I will will say, I did have to look that up and be like, wait, Taiwanese and Chinese are both part of the same ethnicity. And I've looked that up multiple times, actually, over time. And apparently, they are generally considered to be part of the same ethnicity. But I have to keep looking that up, because sometimes I feel like it gets changed. But again, I feel like that was pretty well handled. that being said, I, I do have some little gripes with the book. I feel like it's not it's not perfect. There are some parts, like for example, I feel like the ending without spoiling it could have been handled a little more realistically. There's like one little element where I'm like, wait, it kind of it kinda of feels like you just brushed over this parts. And I will say I also feel like a lot of the side characters were very were written very one dimensionally. This isn't one of those rom-coms mm-hmm. that like sometimes some romance novels will boast like a, a lovable supporting cast. I don't think something to talk about is one of those books. I feel like the supporting cast is pretty one note. I feel like even the like even the characters like like uh, Evelyn and Avery who I feel like are the most prominent supporting characters who do get more characterization. I feel like they're written more like sounding boards for Emma and Joe rather than distinct chari- than distinct characters who feel 40 human. So, I have little gripes like that, but overall, you know, I think this is a, this is a pretty strong romance novel. Yes. Agreed. And, alright, so I feel like we've been getting into our general talking feelings now for the book. Now we can present our wind-up scores. So, Logan, what is yours?
1: Hmm. I think I'm gonna give this one, like, a solid... This is out of 100, right?
0: Ah, uh, yeah, it's 100.
1: I would give
0: it a solid 78. 78. 78. Very good. Very good. And as for me, uh, I'm going to give this... uh, Yeah, I'll I'll give this like 80 out of 100. I feel sorry about that. Again, this is definitely one of the more memorable romance novels I've read in a while. And again, it does have its flaws, but overall, a strong romance that I was able to read this. You know, definitely recommended for people to, to pick up and, alright, now we've given our wind-up scores for the book, so we can move on to the Plot Breakdown. So, listeners, if you haven't read something to, t- to talk about yet, then maybe you should pause the podcast, you know, and, and you can go read it. Or, you can, uh, if, if, if you have if you have already read it, or if you haven't, but you're okay spoilers, then you can stay right here. And, okay. So we follow the assistant Emma Kaplan as she comes across an article that's complaining about her boss uh, Joe Jones, who is going to be writing the next Asian silver movie. It's like an action movie, and Joe has already proven herself by this point as an Emmy-winning TV showrunner for uh, just like this big drama series, and called Innocence, uh, and I, I and and racism is probably most likely involved in this you know, kind of like discri- discrimination against her and i should say though i did find myself wanting a bit more detail about innocence I, because I, it, it doesn't really give much about the premise at all it's just like oh like, like a drama but i wanted to know a mm-hmm. bit more information about innocence what do you think
1: yeah i think that's fair i think it was pretty vague but again, I think I found myself more drawn into Emma and Joe's story than I was okay with that little bit being breezed over. Sure. I didn't. I thought it was fine. It didn't distract from the main plot line. Where like, I feel like if she would have gone into too, or if they would have gone into too much detail, then it would have been a little odd yeah. or a little like out of place, maybe. But some detail would have been nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Emma. Has been at this point Joe's assistant for nine months. When it, when this book opens up, it's made pretty clear early on that Joe is fourteen yeah fourteen years older than Emma. It's 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 spelled out very clearly in this opening, which I feel I feel like that was purposeful that Wilson did that, and then they also have the the sack awards coming up, so they're preparing for that. So one of my little quibbles here is that I do feel like. I feel like it would have been unrealistic for Joe to ask Emma to attend her to the SAG awards, and she's not doing it as like a date or anything, just like just like you know platonically, but I feel like it would have been unrealistic for Joe to ask her to do that because I feel like she would be more aware of how that would look to the public perception. Mm.
1: I guess I didn't find that super unrealistic just because I think about how like celebrities have their designers accompany them to like shows sometimes, especially like at the Met, you see designers walking with their, with the celebrities that they dressed. So I guess I thought about it that way and like, oh, maybe her assistant was just stepping in Mm -hmm. in that capacity. But yeah, definitely a little strange, out of the ordinary, yeah. and it is a little unrealistic that Joe didn't think about the implications beforehand.
0: Yeah. It, 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 again, just a little gripe, but I feel like it's doing that, you know, to move the plot forward, to move the romance forward. But again, mm-hmm. you know, it can feel contrived.
1: Fair enough, yeah, for sure.
0: And then also, what do you think of what do you think about Avery? Because we also meet Avery, and she's uh, Emma's sister. Any thoughts on Avery?
1: I adore Avery. Again, she's a very one-dimensional character within this book. I feel like most of the character development went to Joe and Emma, whereas um, other authors, like one that comes to mind, is Alexis Hall, who develops side characters a lot better. Um, but overall, I enjoyed Avery's character a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah a- Avery. I-, I enjoyed Avery a lot. I feel like I think like between, for me personally, I feel like between Avery and Evelyn, and then and then Evelyn is Joe is like you know best friend. I preferred Evelyn a little more. I feel like Evelyn had a little more more of the spice, kind of like the the, the humor humor that I found to be endearing in this book.
1: I, as an older sibling to lots of people, I have four younger siblings, so I feel like I latched onto Avery's character a little bit more, just the sibling dynamic they had between them, but I did enjoy Evelyn's character as well.
0: In this moment, when when Emma and Joe were again getting dressed up for for the Sack Awards, when it's made very clear that Emma is like trying kind to of feel something for Joe, like kind of is crushing on her just a little bit, even if it's very underneath. Because even when she, like when she sees Joe in her dress, and she's like, "Oh, you know, like you're beautiful," you know, she's thinking that, and it's like <laughs> you can you can tell, you know, it's hiding, it's the feelings are hiding underneath the surface there. Yes, a little a little innocent workplace crush right there at the beginning, I feel like. Yeah. And then on and then on the red carpet, Emma has to be Joe's buffer. I like when Joe is like, Oh, you're you're an Amazon and Emma is like, What the hell? Like that remark like, takes her shows her for a loop. And but, but Joe has a backtrack <laughs> and be like because you're tall. Yes. Like, like Amazon's a mythology. And Emma has to uh, show over to the spend. To to, Joe, to defend her from all of the questions that she's being hit with about Asian sober. And that's when the reporters are taking pictures of Emma and Joe together. And there's a little moment where Joe's uh where Joe's thumb is like kind of like stroking over Emma's back. Just kind of like a little a little touch. And the photos are capturing all of that. And that's lead and that and that's what leads up to. So the media, the tabloids, believing that Joe and Emma are dating after how close they seem to be on the red carpet. And now Emma has gained thousands of followers on Instagram. And on top of the photos, they also won matching jewelry, which
1: as yeah.
0: an, another a little like, suspicious thing that's also setting, setting people off.
1: Yeah, they definitely didn't do themselves any favors. No, no. To fight those rumors. No. <laughs>
0: We also learned that Joe's last name is actually Song, but she changed it to pass as white in Hollywood, so she changed it to to, to Jones. Which you know it is it, it's, it's typical, you know, it happens all the time in Hollywood. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. happens all the time in real life too. I have friends at college who changed in real life, even yeah. their first names because they feel like it's too hard for white America to deal with, and I just think it's very sad. But it's a very harsh reality that. Meryl
0: Winsner touched on a little bit there. Yes. yes. Uh, And then, uh, and then we also learned about Joe's mom had got cancer, so she so she passed Mm -hmm. away from that. Uh, So then Emma brings up the point of, hey, you know, why can't we just say we aren't together? And Joe is like, it's only going to motivate reporters to nag us further and keep spreading the gossip. So she's like, let's let's just take the no comments route. Which I'm curious, what do you think about that? Do you think that was the best way to go about it, or should they have said something? What do you think?
1: I think there was merit to both their options. I think if she would have said something, it would have been people wouldn't have believed her because she doesn't comment on her relationship, so why comment on this one? Whereas, like, if you would have just said something, I feel like maybe people would have left left you alone. I don't know. There was merit to both arguments. In the end, I feel like they weren't going to be left alone anyway.
0: Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I I I also do feel like typically no comment is as best as just a good blanket defense to use in these situations. I don't know, like like you just said, either way they were gonna draw attention. Either way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like you see that happen all the time in Hollywood. We just saw it happen with Kit Connor from yes. Heartstopper, yeah, where his no comment on his sexuality wasn't respected, and so he was forced to come out and. Like, it's just, it happens in Hollywood all the time, and it's a terrible reality of having your life out there for everyone to which see.
0: Is, which is so frustrating, and it's like, you know, you know, we said yeah. this before, you know, it's like, why does that have to happen? And it's like, specifically for Hot stop. you would expect the fandom to be more understanding, but no, it turns out to- right. toxicity exi- exists there, just like with Star Wars and Marvel and all that crap. Mm-hmm.
1: So yes, in the end, these two were not going to be left yeah. alone, no matter what they did. No comment, comment. No. It didn't matter at this point. That's why the
0: book is called, you know, something to talk about. And and then at this moment, Emma also accidentally implies she's bi. We should also make it clear, so for Zoe specifically, she's kind of like semi-closeted at this point in the public as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. Like semi half in, half out. Kind of like, like, it's almost like an open secret, almost, yeah. 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 Which almost feels like another, another little gripe. I feel like this book came out was probably back in twenty twenty. I do wonder if maybe I don't know. I feel like maybe the all the attention would have be a tad decreased maybe back in that time. I feel like even as say even the early two thousand tens, I feel like maybe every more possible for this much, like this much this many eyes to be obsessed over Joe and Emma and uh, sexualities. But I feel like in twenty twenty. Wouldn't it be more normalized? What do you think?
1: I mean, you you would think we would have moved past this, but I feel like there's people are always looking for something to focus on, and I feel like we even latch onto it more with celebrities of color, just like looking for any way to focus on something else than the, other than their successes. And Joe is obviously very successful, and so like I think the public, like I don't know, I don't think I I personally don't find it super unreasonable for this to get latched
0: onto, especially 2020. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, just, I, I just I'm just trying to think back on 2020, you know, just, just like, which is a, a time, like, I feel like, it was a couple of years, I would say no, or no, it, it was right on the cusp, I would say, yeah, on the, of, his, of Trump, of his time in office, so, I don't know. I guess some of these things you can't exactly predict, but. And then Evelyn, do you have any thoughts on Evelyn uh, as well, as her character in the book?
1: I thought she added some good comedy to the book. I think she was hum- a humorous character. Obviously a good support system for Joe, but again, just a, a tad underdeveloped as a side character, especially a prominent side character.
0: Sure, sure. And uh, for most of the book, she is a presence over the phone. So her and Joe talk on mm-hmm. a out over the phone, and then later on, she takes a trip over to be with her in person. And so Joe then is announcing on the side of Innocence, that she's going to write and produce the next Asian Silver movie. Okay, I, I I would have liked a bit more detail in Asian Silver as well. Just a bit more. I I I know it generally it's an action movie, but still, just a bit more detail because I just I just keep filling in the details myself and keep imagining it. That's yeah. basically yeah. like like an atomic blonde sort of thing. That's the first thing came yeah. came my head.
1: I guess I I just um I just supplemented in my own head. I was like some sort of like double7 movie. Yeah. It's. That yeah. oh, was floating through
0: my head, yeah. but yeah. And Joe wants Emma to think about what's next for her after leaving the role of of being her assistant, because again, Emma's gonna get gonna be gonna, gonna get a promotion soon. And uh, and and then because the uh pestering Joe and Emma, and a scene of was pepper, them with questions, including like a source calling Joe a midlife crisis of a person in love with your assistant. And I like I, I thought it was cute how Emma was ranting about all the bullshit that Joe was enduring. That's pretty adorable. Mm-hmm. And then Emma even goes on to arrange an article where past employees of Joe's are singing her praises. And then there's a second article too, and then and then Emma ends up getting contrite for fanning the flames, like bringing more attention to the to the situation. And I thought
1: it was cute. I mean it was just like a protective assistant and in this case also she has feelings for joe i thought it was like i, I don't think she didn't have any malicious intent behind it okay. she was genuinely trying to help but again the no comment was the one yeah. like you're supposed to just the no comment line but i can see where she's coming for 100 from 100 yeah yeah
0: and then joe asked emma to work in her office as a way to study joe and you've only done this when in times of deep stress and so this is a, just another little way that they're, that they're working closer together now, working in the same office. And then we have the Grad Awards, where Innocence wins the outstanding drama series, and Joe accepts, accepts the, the, the awards And then And then Emma is in charge of organizing the draft party for Innocence. And they have, that, and so they have that whole party, there's like those rooftop bar and karaoke, and they're having fun. I also liked how when Avery was being so sure that Joe is queer, because she was like, how could a straight person write such great queer characters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that actually, that, that little moment did make me think about queer media, whether or not like people who are cis and or straight are able to write such stories. And if like there's, there's, obviously that, that that's all a whole discussion, that you see a lot.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: indeed, that was very interesting. And then at the party, a drunken Emma inadvertently kisses Joe, and not like not like a full kiss, but it's it's like on, on the corner of the lips at the end of the party because he meant to kiss her on the cheek when they were hugging, and so
1: such a slow burn kiss. <laughs> yep. <gasps>
0: and and yeah, they just they mistimed things but yeah a slow burn kiss and Avery witness it. Yes. The sister. Yeah. So she you know, she's kinda of like, you know, sus what's going on here. And then Emma and Joe they're talking about Emma's next step in her career and Emma is and, and Emma is hesitant at first to reveal her dream to be a director, but she does so eventually. And Joe is and Joe is like, "Hey, you know, I can promote you to associate producer on Innocence, so you know you can have enough credit to join the director's guild." And then Emma goes home for Passover, and I did like I did like you know me- meeting her her family here. I you know it's it's a pretty a pretty cute family again even if, even if the characters aren't all that fleshed out, I still like the general mm-hmm. family dynamic. And I mean, even when a when her dad a favorite moment a favorite moment of mine was when her dad was talking about being at his book club. And and he was like, hey, you know, she's beautiful and famous, honey, ref- re- referring to Joe. And he was like, oh the guys at my book club agreed really you should go for it. <laughs> and, and also they were supposed to discuss Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, which is on my TBR pile. I did read The Glass Hotel by that same author. And then there's a point where Emma considers texting Joe. And because like, you know, texting her as, as a friend, or, you know, possibly more, but with just the opportunity, again, just just so slogan. Mm-hmm. And then the upfronts are coming up, which is a period where networks are promoting themselves to advertisers, which I don't think I honestly, I don't think I remember being familiar with this, like the upfronts before reading this book. I, I feel like I must have heard it somewhere else mm-hmm. though. But, oh, you need to? Okay. But I feel like I'm. I feel like I could have. I must have heard somewhere else. So I don't know. Then Emma has an asthma attack, and because
1: oh, this is my favorite part of the whole. Thing. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Why, why is that? It T- it tell, me. tell me, tell me, tell me.
1: It's a favorite scene. So where Emma has asthma, but she leaves her backpack behind in some sort of like staging area or something. She leaves her bag behind and starts to have an asthma attack, and Joe is just like instantly at her side she's like call the 911 get the paramedics and Emma's trying to tell her that she just needs her inhaler and somebody's already gone off to get her inhaler and it's just a very cute moment and she's like you have to get to your panel and Joe's like I'm not gonna leave you and it was just very cute I was like oh you guys are so in love
0: Uh, yeah it, it is it is actually yeah it is a very adorable moment yeah just showing the connection between them showing that that Joe cares about her and you know, you, you can feel the emotions, you know, bubbling underneath, very deeply underneath, again, very slow burn. And yeah.
1: Still, yeah.
0: And, and we should also specify that Emma got got the asthma attack after passing by a woman who had been wearing too much perfume. Mm-hmm. And and her, even her asthma had already been acting up over the flight to taken. So, yep.
1: Yes, I think it was one of the first moments in the book, we kind of see Joe, Joe's more like, Calm, put together demeanor mm-hmm. break down a little bit, mm-hmm. where her her the persona she shows everybody kind of breaks down because she's so worried about um, Emma
0: mm-hmm.
1: that she kind of left that out a little. bit. I mean, even in which I thought was-
0: even in the back cover it says that Joe appears to be standoffish, distance. So that's mm-hmm. that's the you know, persona yep. she gives off to protect herself. It's like a defense mechanism. Yep. And and then Joe is, uh, Joe and Emma. So able to recover from that. And I like when Joe brings pizza to her to a room. Yes. And I and I even I, it's cute how Emma's worried that she isn't wearing a bra and her bra is just draped over the suitcase. So when Jo so when <laughs> Joe leaves for a moment, Emma takes off her shirt and puts on her bra quickly. And there's a moment where when they're knocking on the pizza, Emma thinks Joe is gonna say something monumental. But Joe just tells her, Hey your, your shirt's inside out. <laughs>
1: This Yeah, that scene did provide quite a bit
0: of yes. humor. <gasps> and the next morning, Emma brings Joe some coffee and just makes Joe ecstatic enough to casually tell her, I love you. And it comes off differently this time, because well, she, she says this at a job in the past, maybe even to Emma, but now there's all this public speculation about whether or not they're going out. So this particular I love you carries quite a bit of weight. But Emma ignores it, just like how Joe brushed off her and her and personally kissing her at the rap party. And then Joe and Evelyn, they have dinner, and this is the first time they've seen each other in person in six months. And then Joe attends her nephew's uh, baseball game, where she encounters Avery and her husband. And then we also, at this point, learn about Joe's former career as an actor who'd worked on a family sitcom, where she was the adopted Chinese daughter of a white family, and this show was the Johnson Dynasty. And then she wrote a column about her experience and what it was like for Hollywood to punch down on her with racist gags, at which point screenplays stopped coming her way. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. Hollywood didn't like it when someone was calling them out for the racism. (gasps) And then five years later, she shifted her career to the writing and producing side of Hollywood.
1: I mean, again, I think Merle Wilsner, they did a really good job of just like weaving some reality in. Especially as someone who is not a person of color, they did the things that they included about, like, racism in um, Hollywood was very realistic and very, like, well-researched, I feel like, so.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. Yes. And then Emma and Joe are continuing to work together, specifically on the Asian Silver script, kind of polish it up, and, and they're getting more comfortable with each other. Emma is working more often in Joe's office, and then, and then they go to Flower It Up, Avery's bakery, Emma lets it slip so she views Avery and Joe as her two favorite people, and Joe, who's generous with her money, often like you know donates it all the time. Wants to give money to flower it up, but Avery thinks it's too much, and she accepts like one worker and splitting the difference between what she's able to pay right now and Joe paying for the rest. Okay, and, and so so this opens up kind of like the whole subplot thread about Joe keeping it a secret from Emma about knowing Avery and -hmm. helping out to slow it up and also the baseball games
1: I thought it was an interesting little side plot the two of them being connected without Emma knowing it in a reality setting I would have liked for Joe to be honest in a fictional world I think it added a lot to the plot which I enjoyed Yeah, I do not condone dishonesty but if you're writing a book feel free to add it
0: (laughs) yeah I I was kind of like I was feeling for Emma and being like why did you lie by omission about that like this is my sister you're know, socializing with. And but then also for Joe, I can also understand why it can be uncomfortable for her maybe to reveal that. And again also because she also is trying to maintain the cold persona again, standoffish. And so just could mm-hmm. just could break that. And then and then also, yeah, for fictional purposes, I can also, you know, su- suspend my disbelief just a bit. What a book! In that case, yes. And then Avery comes over to Emma's place, and uh, and and then this is when we learn Avery has been sitting next to Joe at every baseball game that Avery's kids have been have been playing, and they've been becoming friends, and sh- and you know they're shouting, and Emma feels ambivalent, and 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 she also she also feels conflicted about. Sharing, like she, she, she kind of feels like oh like I don't want to share jo- I don't want to share Joe like I, it, it kind of feels like she almost feels like shes like she's being very jealous definitely here she feels she feels like her mm-hmm. her time she has to compete with every time and space for Joe and she even does she even does a uh, talk about this with her mom and her is over feeling like Joe doesn't see her as someone she's close with and her, but her mom says I don't think she doesn't care about you, honey. And you know, like she and she even she even knows about the asthma attack and how Joe reacted to that. Mm-hmm. And and Emma's mom is like, Do you have a crush? And Emma's like, maybe.
1: Yes. <gasps>
0: yeah, so yeah, so you know, again, feelings underneath.
1: Yes. I thought that was a very realistic sibling moment of I will not share this person with yes. you. <laughs> even just um. Just fighting. Even if Joe was just a friend. Yeah, so yeah, it's just. That little, just like, you can't have her too. That's
0: <laughs> yeah, the time and space. She's, she's mine. <gasps>
1: oh, <Yo.
0: laughs> And then even and even a mom, I did like how a mom was able to pick up on too, as well. Oh, yes. Moms are
1: so intuitive.
0: <gasps> yes. And then Joe is getting Barry Davis, Emma's favorite director, to come to set and, you know, possibly to direct an episode. But mostly here for for Emma, so that she can learn from him and maybe he can, you know, use his connections to uh, to bring Emma up in the world of Hollywood, hopefully. Too bad that didn't work out, you know, and we'll be getting to that. Yeah, okay. So Chantal. So she's one of the people on set and she's definitely meant to be a red herring, right? Because she, she does act very sus around Emma and Joe. She, like, she kinda of, she she notices something between them, and so Mm -hmm. when the whole mystery about, oh, who the leak is came up, I was like, wait, is this Chantal? I I was like, it was actually her or Phil, I knew that. Mm -hmm. But, did did you have any thoughts, like, when you first read this? Who do you think it would be? Yeah,
1: I think I definitely thought it was going to be her, Um, but I also was like, like, it it was so obvious, it was almost like, when you're reading a mystery novel and all the evidence points to one person, you know it's not going to be that person in the end. That kind of yeah.
0: yeah, and then Joe gets self conscious about asking Emma to come into her office now. So when Emma brings up whether it's okay for her to go in there, Joe gets brusque and tells her to get out. And oh, which w- w- just did hurt me a little. And it, yeah, I
1: agree.
0: And then even that and then that that evening, Evelyn calls up Joe, and Evelyn is like, "Hey, on Star's website, they have an article about how you and Emma." Apparently like, have been getting so comfortable working together in your office, even when other people are in the vicinity. So again, still was just the rumors, the now is still working
1: mm-hmm, very, very
0: Hollywood. Yes. And now there continues to be tension between Emma and Joe and Emma Emma is feeling some some tensions for her specifically because she feels Joe, and this is the whole thing she feels she, she struggled with Joe not being able to apologize properly to her mm-hmm. and and then at the baseball game we, we go, go to the baseball game where emma is there and then joe is there but emma doesn't appear surprised to see joe here so is kind of confused by that and joe apologizes to emma for snapping at her earlier but emma responds in a very standoffish manner so now joe is like wait is emma mad at me for investing in her sister's bakery oh
1: yeah i was like dude social cues <laughs> like read the room. She's not mad at you for that. She's mad at you for snapping at her. I was like... I think it was um, a bit of like... I think it was the most prominent point for me of like, Joe really does just struggle with social cues just a little bit. Just, a, like, just a bit. And I think... And yeah. Like, everything was pointing to her being mad about this, and then she automatically went, wait, it's the bakery. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and and yeah, in this book, definitely... Emma is definitely the kind of person who can. She she holds on to some grudges, here in this book. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: And then A- Avery is gonna take them out for ice cream afterwards. The whole group, but Joe is actually off her. And then the next morning, Emma is still is acting significantly cold towards her, Like even when they have even during the whole coffee bit. Like usually it says here like Emma smiled at Joe or made sure that every made sure that Joe has everything she needs before you know goes. Before she goes back to her own work, but this morning Emma's just being very cold, even just like pushing the coffee cup to Joe without even looking at her, and there's no, there's no like second cup, with her shy. Just and the, Emma's behavior continues throughout the rest of the workday, and it's just like Emma. And then Joe and Sam also have dinner, and Sam had had worked with uh, with Joe, had co-starred her on The Johnson Dynasty. Yep, and. Emma is still upset. You know, time passes. Emma is still upset with Joe for making her feel like she's unimportant in Joe's life, but she's also looking forward to shadowing Barry Davis. And then, as Emma learns about the rumors about Joe and Sam being together, Emma goes to bed and crying over this, Yes! over the thought of Joe and Sam. Oh,
1: Emma.
0: <laughs> oh. And it definitely. Again, it's so very slow burn. Like I feel. I feel like it takes a while. Like even. Even when earlier, when Emma has been acknowledging to her mom that she has a crush, I feel like it's still her feelings are not being fully acknowledged by her. Still, like it's still because she's doing her best to bury it underneath.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's one thing to admit you have a crush on someone. Where like, I feel like a crush is very like small and innocent, but like acknowledging your feelings for another person, I think this took much longer in this book. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then Joe does apologize to Emma for specifically about Avery. And being like, hey, you no, know, I, I should have told you I was spending time with her, but Emma isn't quite ready to forgive and trust her yet. Uh, Joe asked about Emma's asthma, which I thought was you know, another cute moment. Like,
1: yeah, bringing that back up, that was cute.
0: <laughs> and then, this is when Barry Davis arrives, and he is already getting up in Emma's face which is Lumber Cologne. And bringing back to like the colognes and perfumes, like I don't think I, I, I don't think Emma in particular really cares for colognes or perfumes because or at least like the, the really strong types, at least. Because remember we we had the perfume mm-hmm. earlier that sparked the asthma attack and now she knows kinda of, like the cologne, kinda of, like filling up the space, invading her space. Yeah, so on t- okay, so on top of that, he then ends up like making this l- lewd comments, just like just that leaves her feeling uncomfy. It 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 was it was her saying, "Oh, like she's incredibly talented," referring to Joe. And then she said, "And you know those talents well, don't you?" And when when that came out of his mouth, I was like, "What the hell?" And I actually did predict this. I gotta say, when when Barry Davis was first brought up and like, "Oh, we're gonna bring him on set," I was like, "Oh crap, he's gonna be a creep, is not he?" Because I knew I I faintly heard the cards going about the book dealing with Me Too issues, so I was like, oh damn it, he's gonna be a, okay. a creep. Did he?
1: Yes, I did not see it coming, because I did not see any oh. before I read the book, so that happened, and I was like, god damn it. <laughs> and
0: it's like, and, it's, and and of course it has to be her favorite director, too. Oh, right. Shattering the image of like the hero in Hollywood, it's like, oh no, he's actually a creep. And apparently his his, his eyes were, were glued to those ass. It's <laughs> not that that specifically in the narration. Yep. And Emma is Emma's feeling so icky, but she's trying to brush those those concerns away. You know, which is like it happens all the time all the time. Not, again, not even in Hollywood, just like all the time, you know, in the world. Like maybe you know someone or you know, I don't know. And just and, and then he hates he just brushes away the concerns. He's just trying to be like, oh, they're not creepy, surely. I must be misconstruing things. Yeah. And and here and, and even she's like, you know, because she's you know the Oscar nominated Barry Davis and and he could give her a step up in Hollywood for her director dream. So she's just trying to brush this away. But then he goes on to then uh, base, to uh, proposition her. And wow, when he when he does that it's like it's like not surprising at this point, but still like even like even even when he says like When she was like, "You are more than welcome to use your mouth, but your hand is all I need." Like when he said that, I was like, (coughs) "Oh my god!" So
1: again, I it it, like surprised me in the context of the book. I didn't know they were gonna go that route with the book, but like reality, like that's how Hollywood, that's how Hollywood men have been for the past however many years and gotten away with it, and now all of a sudden they're surprised that they're not getting away with it anymore. Like. (laughs)
0: I know it's just like, and it and it happens all the time too. Like, like even hearing about uh, Nicholas Braun, who's one of the actors on Succession, hearing about how apparently he's a real creep, and he apparently owns his bar where he and his friends prey on young women. And when I say young women, I mean like eighteen or nineteen year olds, and even like even like he's been predatory towards minors. And it's like, wow. <laughs> And it's so weird too, because even I gotta say, like, I feel like his like the character he plays on succession, and specifically in this season four, his cousin Greg has actually gotten like really sleazy suddenly in season four. It's weird to watch his character act this way all of a sudden and then hear about Nicholas Braun, the real life guy. And it's like, hmm, is this a coincidence or did the writer suspect something? Not, not like his character particularly like a pedophile or a creep, but like still, like, just generally a, a slime ball. And it's just like, hmm, the, the writer is like, what is the, the writer's on this show catching on to something that we didn't know. <sighs> and then Emma goes up to Joe, kind of like Emma's like about to say something, but Joe just assumes she's starstruck and acts kind of huffy. So now Emma is pissed that Joe is worried about Emma making her look bad. And again, you know, more of the more of the conflict between them. And Emma has to take, take a bit of time to recover, just kind of like wrestling with these rumors about her and Joe, and the impact this is having on Barry thinking he can sexually harass her. And now Emma's like, well, great, now people think that they can just sleep with me to get her way through the industry. Then, this leads up to a conflict on set, where they're shooting this scene where a character is coming out, and then Barry, he comes in, with his own direction about how the scene should go, and he's like, "Well, what if she was unhappy about this situation? What if it's upsetting to her to to say I'm bisexual?" Which Emma object to vehemently,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then Joe ends up shooting her down. And I won't say like I can get why Joe has to act that way in order to appear fair and appear like she's not she's not giving Emma any any leeway because of the situation they're in and the rumors, but still, when she said, perhaps when you do more than get the coffee, people would be interested in your opinion. In the meantime, I could use an iced latte. I was like, oh my god, that hurts!
1: Yes, I was not happy with Joe in that scene, to say the least. I, again, I understood where Joe was coming from, where she wanted to be objective, and if the rumors weren't going around, I don't think it was something she would have said. However... It so uh,
0: it's, still, it's still her, Like even, even when it starts into narration, it says Joe's voice was wire-taut. Emma's eyes cut to her boss, who wasn't even looking at her. So Joe just again continues to be standoffish, not even looking in her direction. Like it doesn't even. Feel, it, she appears like, oh, I don't even need to give you enough attention to look your way while I'm bossing you around, and it's just, it's, it's agonizing. And at and at the end of the workday, Joe calls Emma into her office. And she comes right out with reprimanding Joe for agreeing with Barry. And she and, and Emma's like, you know, coming out she didn't feel like a horrible predicament. And this is so hypocritical of you, because you wanted that grad award. But as it turns out, Joe did not agree with him. She had actually expressed her thoughts to him after Emma had left. And she 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 even you could you could tell she was a little offended that Emma thought that Joe was actually agreeing with Barry. And, and, and this is also the point where she said, where she confirms to Emma that she's lesbian. Where she basically explicitly here. Actually, the, like, the, way she, the way she worded it here, Joe said specifically, You thought I disagreed? You thought, what? I'm the type of lesbian who thinks bisexuals are greedy and always going to leave you for a man? Please, give me more credit than that. Which, yeah, I, I did like that. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a good yeah. And then she tells Emma, like, hey, I can't, I can't support you. In these type of situations, if we want these rumors to subside, I have to be a boss. But then Emma, Emma does say, like, you know, there's a difference between acting like my boss and throwing me under the bus. And you, and you know there is, because you've never done that before. And Emma feels like she's being seen as someone who can only get a job by sleeping with her superiors. But Joe says she can't make it seem like to people like she's going easy on Emma. And Joe fully apologizes to her for not telling her about shouting as Avery and for acting like she didn't need to say sorry. And so, there so are quite a moment where Zoe had to apologize because I feel like the first, beat, the first couple of times she's kind of stumbling a bit and mm-hmm. not quite hitting the right point for what she was apologizing for. And so, th- they do call out the predatory lesbian trope here. There's another quote where Joe says, You think people don't look at pictures of us and think I'm corrupting this lovely young lady? I'm a predatory lesbian in the middle of a midlife crisis. I'm a fidget bitch who just hasn't found the right dick. I'm a dragon lady who's stealing a, a pretty white girl from the white boys she should be dating. Yeah. I appreciate that. It, it directly ta- it directly hits at the stereotypes that get placed upon women like her. Mhm, yeah. for sure. And Joe says to talk to Barry, hopefully salvage a recommendation from him for Emma, but Emma then reveals to Joe just uh, what a slime ball he is. And Joe just immediately sticks up for her. You know, not surprising, but still, you know, I love it. And, and even, like, the way she's, the way she's just going to be, so, be so fierce about it too. Like, she's going to be like, I'm going to put out a statement declaring the sexual harassment, and, that's, and Barry Davis isn't going to be allowed on set or in the building. But Emma's like, no, you, you don't need to do that. Like, we don't need to make a big stink about this. And now, Emma is assured that Joe cares about her, finally. She's feeling comfy now. She's like, oh, Joe does give a shit about me. Now Emma comes home, realizes that she really is crashing on Joe. I I finally finally she's certain. After all this time. Yes. And oh by the way, we haven't said this explicitly yet, but this book takes place over several months. If I recall correctly, does it take place over almost a year? The main story? I think. Is it like nine months or ten months? Oh.
1: Yeah, it's quite a while. Like
0: Slow burn. <laughs> yes, we, we 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 repeated that. Yes, again over several months because I feel like the majority yes. of romances, or at least the ones I the ones I've read, typically are quicker, maybe a few weeks, or may, even a few months, maybe like two or three months. I was gonna say like
1: a few months at the latest. But
0: I but this like. goes on. The the majority of this book goes on for almost a year. Again, if I recall correctly. Yeah, slow burn. But. Remember, Joe is still Emma's boss, and Emma's like, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be interested in this kind of romantic relationship. And then she finds out there's already news about her talking back to Barry, and Joe scolding her on Saturday, and so now we're, we're like, wait, who's the leak? And Emma texts Joe, Joe about this issue, because they're going back and forth. And then Emma almost texts her about Sam, but she resists. And she feels like it's too weird to get that deep in, into Joe's personal life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so now she's hoping to, like, to to break up rumors. She's not spreading about Emma and Joe supposedly having broken up. So now she's hoping they stick. I like how at work, when I'm back at work, Joe keeps checking up on Emma's well-being. And, and then Joe is like, hey, you may not have wanted me to put out a statement about why we didn't hire Barry to be a director. But I still like your permission to do things on my own. And she considered not telling Emma, but she felt like it just seemed better to be open with her, which I really appreciated.
1: We see some growth.
0: I know, even Emma, she appreciates the gesture, and it contrasts with Joe hiding the details about meeting Avery at the baseball games. But still, Emma wants to remain oblivious to any more info. You know, Joe can do whatever she wants, but just don't update Emma on it. Mm -hmm. For the rest of the workday it goes pretty well, even when Emma has to deal with Barry on set and then, and then and then Avery comes over to Emma's place for dinner and Emma tells her about Barry's, you know, bad direction, getting reprim- rep- reprimanded by Joe, all of that. It uh, doesn't reveal about her being about her being gay though. Keeps that to herself. and remember before Avery had already assumed that Joe is probably queer. Mm-hmm. And then Emma talks about Barry's gross behavior as well. You know he certainly isn't her favorite director anymore. Then I I do love when Avery is like, if I ever meet Barry Davis, I'm gonna kick him into nuts.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: and and even when even when uh when because the mom also called, and I like how Avery and Emma are, like playfully fighting a bit. Like Avery like throws a napkin ball, right at Emma, and Emma. And Emma's like, I have to go beat up your useless eldest. <laughs> she says that to her mom.
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> so, Joe and Emma are going to heading over to the baseball game, and Joe is still trying to figure out how to handle the Barry Davis situation. Uh, and then, I uh, like when they get ice cream afterwards, Emma gets scrunched up next to Joe on the picnic bench. Because it's like this little space that they have to sit really close together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit of forced proximity going on. And then Joe drives Emma home. And Emma is chatting, it's cute when, when Emma is like, sorry, not sorry, I stole your sherry. As a reference to her literally plucking the sherry away from those ice cream splits. <laughs> and then even when Joe drops her off, and pops paparazzi here, but Joe drops Emma off home, and Joe waits until Emma is inside, before, before pointing away. It's like, aww.
1: Yes, I think the ultimate show of love is someone who waits until you're inside your house to drive away.
0: Ooh, yes, yes, yes.
1: Like that is my favorite little thing, like even in real life or in like a book or fan fiction, or whatever, I think that little detail is so cute all the time. Yes.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that too, yes. It's funny, that it actually reminds me of the, the love language quiz that we've taken recently, that was yeah. an, that was actually that was yeah. inter- that was interesting to to go to that, because I first I took the quiz and my my thing was acts of service. That was what came out on top. My primary love language. Mm-hmm. Which
1: Yes. Acts of service is one was one of my highest and I think and like when people think of acts of service, I think they think of like, oh, give me a foot rub. But I'm like I think little things like that too. Like you're waiting until they get inside to move yeah. away. Like those little things that are like
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then we find out Joe still has that picture of her and Emma at the SAG Awards from 8 months ago, it says that specifically,
1: yes.
0: in her drawer. And I was like, damn! Joe, you're also dealing with some deeply uh, buried feelings too.
1: Yes.
0: And then Emma says she wants Joe to release a statement about why she didn't hire Barry. And then Joe goes on to call up uh, Annabeth Pierce an actor who's has, who has worked with Barry, her first movie was actually directed by him, and Joe gives her a heads-up about the trust statement she'll be releasing. And Annabeth, unfortunately, sounds like she knows what Joe is talking about. And she's like, oh, I'll, I'll correspond to my publicist. And so when that happened, I was like, you know, again, not surprising, because it's like if Barry acts this way to Emma, obviously he's acts this way towards other women as well. You know? Yeah. So they get the press release, and Emma gets to read it. You know, before releasing it, uh, it's posted. By the time Joe wakes up the next morning, very quickly, uh, even even on such that day, Joe announces to the cast and crew to do zero tolerance policy for sexual harassment and assault. And that night, uh, Evelyn calls out Joe, and she knows the anonymous person is Emma. And it explains why she talked back to Barry and why there's been such a back and forth between her and Joe recently. And Evelyn says, you know, she's going white night for Emma. And then Joe is asked Evelyn to put her in contact with good lawyers who can help out with celebrity cases mm-hmm. involving a sexual harassment and assault. Uh, and then Joe gets back in contact with Annabeth and is starting to organize this whole thing, like funding... Like funding publicists and lawyers getting, getting, this whole, getting this whole organization up and running to support women in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And Emma also wants to partake in the project, and they're calling it uh, the Cassandra Project, named in honor of Cassandra as a Greek mythological figure who was cursed to predict the future, but no one listened to her. They all just ignored her. It was nice to see Joe launching this, and I, I, I should also say in general, I feel like this whole subplot in the book, I thought it was well handled that was respectfully woven into Mm -hmm. the narrative.
1: I think so, too. I think, yeah, I think it was a good touch, especially because the book does touch on a lot of critiques of Hollywood, and if they wouldn't have included this, it would have felt like something was missing. Sure, sure. Um, But I think that um, Merle Wilsner, they did a really good job.
0: And then, Joe invites Emma to the Emmy's, just a few days before they're going to unfold. Emma is hesitant at first, but then she's up for it, and then, uh, but then Joe is like, oh, n- n- never mind. And Joe and Emma keep texting before the Emmys and during the ceremony, but Joe would prefer Emma being present in person. And, you know, you can tell she's really re- she's really regretting that, not being able to bring Emma along, like she did for the Psych Awards. And just like, even, like, you know, to ha- have her there, because remember before of she- she even, it was even said explicitly, like, Emma was there for the psych ward as a buffer. For Joe, once her there from wasn't at, you know? Just, you know, she's got feelings for her. And again, remember, she still has a psych picture in her drawer. Again, even as time passes on. And then, a few weeks pass by, and uh oh, Joe's dad is coming over. And we had already established by this point earlier that Joe's dad, to, uh, to put it lightly, did not care for her being les- a lesbian. Even when like when he got to the office, damn, like he was just being an asshole so quickly, and being mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you should fire Emma at the end of the season." And it was cute though when Emma was paying attention to her and returning to the office with you know with lunch, and also trust Emma for being able to ignore Joe's dad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and then. He says, and then he says in Cantonese, honestly, you're going to throw away, honestly, you're going to throw your reputation away onto Slut. And when that came up, I was like, dear Lord! When when, when Emma was right there. And it's like, she's saying, and he's saying in Cantonese, so like she can understand him, but it's like, wow, like, what what do you think about this scene? Like this whole conflict here.
1: I think it was a good, it was a good peek into joe's life and i think it kind of gave some merit to her like very stony exterior her desire for nobody to really know about her private life and to be very like cold and like have her walls up i think it explained a lot about joe's character i think her dad was a complete <laughs> asshole 100%. yeah but i think the, that scene did give a lot of insight to joe's like her how she presents herself
0: oh yeah definitely like yeah, yeah why she, yeah why she feels like can't be vulnerable or but, yep. but thankfully when, when, when he says that when he's just being so dis- disrespectful about Emma, Joe tells him to shut the fuck up yep. and even and and I love when she says this woman is fantastic at a job and it's the only reason I survived most days and that's true whether or not we're fucking and whether or not you approve And I was like, damn like the only reason I survived most days. That is such a strong way to put it. Yeah, that was
1: cute.
0: And, and she calls security They throw him out and says he isn't allowed back in the building without her explicit permission. But she leaves on her own. And then afterwards, Emma stays in the office to comfort Joe. Even getting physical. They get really physical. Like she cuts her hand over Joe's cheek. And they, come, and they come so close to officially kissing. So close. But then the phone rings. Interrupting the moment.
1: Again, it was a very slow
0: burn moment. Yes, <laughs> And again, they were touching, again, like, she, like Emma was touching her cheek. And at the end of the day, Emma called Joe simply Miss Jones, With I kind of feel like it, it's, a, it's a way to distance, such a distance between them. Yeah. <sighs> and then Joe is different case, like you're know, calling her Miss, Miss Captain. Uh, That's a distance. And then Emma comes home, panics over her almost kiss, Which, Joe, understandably, because it's not like the other kiss, you know, back to the rap party, where it's like, oh, you know, you can brush it off, it was just semi accidental. she was drunk, it's like, no, she was sober this time. She was intentionally leaning forward, and she's pretty sure Joe has been leaning towards her as well. And there's a a quote here from the narration where it goes, she wanted to talk about it. She wanted to do it, to actually kiss Joe, not drunkenly, not in the heat of the moment. She wanted to kiss Joe hello and goodbye. They kiss her with garlic breast, and in the morning, before either of them had brushed their teeth. And I was like, wow, that is a that is a powerful way to describe how much you want to kiss someone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's not easy to do that when Joe is Emma's boss and Emma considers calling Avery for advice. But she doesn't want to expose herself to Avery's teasing. And she's trying to think about the whole workplace issue and trying to think about, well, maybe if it could happen on different projects, because, you know, Joe will be on Asian Silver, Emma will be staying on Innocence, and the optics wouldn't be fantastic, but Emma is willing to endure the tabloids. But does Joe even want her back, though? You know, Emma's wondering that. And and then Emma thinks, Emma thinks back on the moment when Joe has clearly displayed how much she values Emma, and...
1: Yeah, I think it's... I think it's, like, a very raw moment, a very real moment of, like, this I would I would do anything to make it work but would they do the same or like I think it's a very real moment with Emma yeah. and like dives very deep into her character and yeah. um, how she's feeling and I thought it was a very interesting part of the
0: book yes. it's just like e- e- even how it says here like Joe uh, had touched her back or when Joe was willing, willing to miss a, a whole panel for her canceling plans for her even to quote over the summer, Joe has said Emma was hiring her next assistant, not her next Emma. Emma hadn't thought, of, Emma hadn't thought much about it at the time, but now her heart left at the idea of being Joe's Emma. That was like, oh, that
1: was really.
0: Cool. And then back at work, Joe is standoffish again and apologizes for yesterday's situation. And see, this is, this is kind of like another little conflict, like kind of a little misunderstanding here. Because she was she, she, she says here, I was unfocused and not thinking, and the situation it led to was inappropriate. So then that leads Emma to be like, wait, the situation as an almost kiss. And and then she, like, she she tries to interrupt her, but then Joe is just like, I apologize, I won't let it happen again. Mm-hmm. And so now Emma's like, Well, wait, what? And even when Emma says, like, I want to be here for you, Joe remains closed off. And now and now Emma is like, "Well, well, damn! Like, I don't feel comfortable like being forward about what could have happened yesterday. Now she's gonna be acting like this. So then she goes back to calling her Miss Jones, and even says to her, like is all a twist.' Like she was clenching it when Emma said that. Like, oh, but then Joe, for her part, Joe gets drunk later at home and thinks about how much she wants to actually kiss Emma. Yeah." <laughs>
1: It's just so. It's again. Oh. It's so slow burn. It's so like back and forth of like the miscommunication and the missed opportunities and like, ugh, like as a reader, I was so frustrating to read. Even though it was ve- like again wonderfully written, it was frustrating. I know. <laughs> it's like <gasps> this is why I don't like slow burns. <laughs> but
0: it's handled well. Lawson we'll not handled it well in, the, yes. in this case. <gasps>
1: uh,
0: and oh, and, and by the way. Wilsoner also has Cretecute to next romance novel coming out. And I have the E on like a bit on that I haven't read it yet. But but You haven't? I I know It's gonna be
1: a while.
0: I know, I feel I feel guilty. I feel like I should read it by now, but I have I will read it. It's, and, and I'm excited. I wanna I wanna see how Cute turns out. The whole like you know, sapphic soccer you- romance. Nice to see them spread their wings in these different books.
1: Yes, all three of their books are very different.
0: Yeah, different. Like even if they share some similarities, like even like the, the age gap gets shared, for example, between mistakes are made mm-hmm. and something to talk about. So, like, you know, the tropes are different. It's not like it's not like how a few authors will reuse the same tropes over and over again. And when I say that mm-hmm. I am specifically thinking of Addie Hazelwood, who just loves the small woman, big man trope in her romances. And it's like, okay, if you want to do it for one or two books, fine. It can be cute. If you want to do it for every single romance that you do, it maybe like six or seven romances, maybe, something like that. It's like, okay, this is getting a little too obsessive over the one trope.
1: Yes, my friend's, uh, my friend's favorite books are the Dreamland Billionaire series by Christina Long. La- Christina Lauren? Lauren Asher. Oh, sorry. okay. Lauren yeah. Asher. She loves those books. Um, And she was telling me about a new Lauren Asher series. She goes, um, what is it? It's going to be about, she's like, there's four brothers, and they're millionaires. I'm like, didn't she just finish a Three, brother, three Brothers Billionaire series? She goes, well, yeah. But I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> like, what do you mean you're writing the same thing?
0: <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I, I would like you know also to explore the tropes a bit more, you know, like, I don't know. And I it, you know, I guess why people enjoy them, but you know, also can you explore the tropes a bit more, like, Going back to Ali Adi word, can you do maybe a small man, big woman trope, maybe? <laughs> Switch it up! Else? Switch it up! You know? <laughs> it's not like, I, also, I just feel like, I, I just feel like the, the small woman, Big man trope. I just feel like it's so sexist, especially when you repeat it over and over again. It's just like, okay, we get it, mm-hmm. the gender dynamics. Yes, we get it. Small woman, big man. Isn't it so adorable? And it's just like, but I love me some big women too. Yeah,
1: indeed. There's the trope can be very
0: problematic. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how. Uh, in general, in general, I do feel like maybe it does occur more often in romances typically, where you do see tend to see more often than not. It's height unnoted, a tinier woman versus a bigger man. Which I guess you can say that for any, like maybe even movies, TV shows, so just media in general, you see that, you know? Whereas taller, so like tall women, you wouldn't typically see that, you know? Like Elizabeth the for example, she is, she is huge, and it's like, wouldn't it be great if it was like a rom com starring her, you know, with a huge woman like that? I don't know. But getting back to the book. I just love when Joe noted that she's never been interested in someone she worked with, not since she was a teenager. And Jane Fonda just died on the Johnson Dynasty.
1: <laughs> <gasps> that wasn't
0: funny. Yes. Then Joe ends up texting Emma, and she's like, "Well, it's late, but not too late. Why don't, why don't I text her?" And when she texts, "I meant what I said yesterday. You are magnificent." But oops. She made a mistake and sends the text to Evelyn instead. And Evelyn is like, What's happening? <laughs> and she has to bring Joe back down to Earth. And she's like, No, Joe, don't release any statements. It was sober up in the morning. And Joe considers texting Emma after that, even then. But she's like, It's past midnight. I'm sober, she, I'm sober enough to know I'm a little drunk. So I should just go to sleep now. <laughs> oh. And then Joe is in her office. Getting some texts from Evelyn while working with Emma on Innocence, and then Evelyn calls, and I love how Evelyn is like, "If you do not call me back and tell me everything, I'm going to fly to LA myself." And the Southern Generation Joe <laughs> believes her. Yes. <laughs> and then later on, after Emma goes home, Joe uh, calls Evelyn and tells her about uh, about the crap with her dick or dad, and almost kissing Emma. And Joe thinks back on how she's been having feelings for for Emma for a while now. And even if Emma does reciprocate her feelings, Joe is like, "Well, it would be inappropriate to pursue the relationship." So, so she's just like feeling uncomfortable with, about that. And then later on, oh wow, Evelyn herself is now at the workplace, and Emma. I love how Emma is just bodily blocking her from entering Joe's office. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just like, and she, she she's just she's like Evelyn. Like, well, who are you? Who what? Who, who are you? This intruder, because as it turns out, uh, e- Evelyn had vacation days to use. And Joe's birthday is coming up, so she just flew over. Surprise! It's hilarious. Uh, when Evelyn is like, wait, like does does Emma not have regular hours? She doesn't leave until you dismiss her. And Joe is like, well, do you think she's section She probably doesn't. She probably didn't want to interrupt us or something. And Evelyn says. Do you think she'll be that submissive in bed, too? <laughs> now, Joe and Evelyn are talking about this whole situation, Joe unpacking her guilt over it, and, jo- and she mentions feeling like she's a predatory lesbian stereotype. And it doesn't help that Emma had already endured very sexual harassment, but Evelyn is like, well, no, you're acting as responsible and professional here. So, you know, and, and, and be honest with how you're genuinely feeling. And oh, this is when Joe reveals to Evelyn the photo she's been keeping of her and Emma at the SAG Awards
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh. So when Joe says she'll be moving on to Asian Silver and Emma stays innocent, Evelyn is like, well, you can you can just ask her out then uh, And then Evelyn takes Joe out for an early birthday celebration, one that Sam joins in on And even though Evelyn is flirting with Sam, because she kind of has like a, like a, a play crush on him the tabloids insist the next day that Joe and Sam are still dating. Mm-hmm.
1: Ugh.
0: And then this is when. I like when Joe, when in his narration, it's like, it says it wasn't like Joe didn't know Emma was attractive. She'd always known, really. Since back when Emma was hired on props, she was a beautiful woman, objectively. Joe knew that, and it never used to matter. And it's kind of like it's interesting that she noted that before. Yes. And. Evelyn spent the whole last day of her visit teasing Joe about how great Emma was, and, and it says, like, Joe couldn't exactly disagree. And just Evelyn is continuing to be supportive with her about, you know, how she feels towards towards Emma. And then Joe offers to move Emma to a associate producer earlier than midseason, earlier on. And Emma, and you can tell Emma is kind of unsettled by this. And she's like, well, wait, it's, tra- it's on track for that to happen in midseason. And but Joe is just like, well, if you wanted to move on sooner, you know, you're welcome to speed up the process. Uh but Joe is just a tad less worried now since it doesn't seem like Emma is rushing to leave her behind, escape any uncomfortable circumstances. And and, and then when Joe's birthday comes up, uh, Emma leaves the birthday cupcake for Joe, Even after his almost kiss, even after all that's happened, like Emma left, left behind. And that was really cute. Yes. Just like you know, just like a little quiet moment, because ah, uh, because Joe doesn't like to make a big deal out of her birthday. Just like to keep things quiet. that's it's not full. Cool. I mean, specifically, it's a peppermint mocha. He commented comment on that specifically. Cupcake version of a peppermint mocha. Then we go back over to Emma's side, and we learn how she thinks Joe and Evelyn are dating. Which
1: yeah, I'm not sure about that piece either. It was.
0: It was just like, it, it was definitely like insecurity. The insecurity is coming, it's yes. just rolling back. And Emma d- did actually pick up on that, on Joe offering to promote the identity. Emma was actually no- noting that and being like, wait, why would she do that? Like, she no longer trusts me to be here. And then we have the, the interview with Phil. She, he's one of the f- interview candidates for replacing Emma. And I did not like how he was, ta- he, was he wasn't taking things seriously at first. And then ends up being more solemn when she visits with him, and 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 then once he was making that gross comment, kind of like insinuating like, like oh, you know, by sleepers, so, you know, maybe that will get me up, you know, bring me up in the industry, and I was like, okay, that's really gross, and even Emma was like, you know, she was just like, fuck this, and she told Phil that he's not going to be the assistant, which is like, when, when that came up, how do you feel about that? And also, did you think maybe he was a leak?
1: I think at that point, I think there was enough like hard feelings, or like like he felt that he wasn't getting something that he somewhat deserved. So I was like, I feel like he was probably the leak in that yeah. moment. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that people were saying things like that to Emma. It's heartbreaking. And <sighs> like, that's just people say crap like that all the time, and it's just gross and terrible. Whoa. And again, I think this book just shows reality really well. If that's how mm. people. He, he felt entitled to something that he wasn't getting, so obviously it was something else.
0: And and, and Emma and Emma was willing to be with him too because they were good friends on set, but even then it's like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let you get away with this crap. You can't you can't yep. be proved like that. And then and then they and then they have the the business trip. Joe and Emma have a business trip to, Cal- to Calgary coming up soon because they're doing some location scouting for Innocence. I love how Joe reminds Emma to bring her inhaler for the trip. Yes, I do like that that keeps
1: nope. popping up.
0: And they're going on this trip close to Emma's birthday, and then Emma and Avery are talking, and Emma is telling her about what's going on without hiring her placement, and then the crap is filled. And Emma tells her about, about what Joe had said about Emma being the only thing that got to get Joe through the day. And Avery is like, you know, this is a big deal. Like, you know, stop acting like it isn't. Mm-hmm. And and she even she also brings Emma like she she grounds her and she's like Emma she decided on this promotion at the end of last season and has nothing to, to do with you guys almost kissing, mm-hmm. it, it's not connected to that. And she's like she's like just like, focus just focus on work and things will be different and you know things will will, will probably continue to be weird and different you know anyways which this upcoming workplace transition you know it's going to happen you know it'll be natural. And then we cut to the flight to Calgary. And during the flight, Emma is being meticulous over the itinerary, and Joe advises her to ease up. And this trip is reminding Emma of the last trip to the upfront and the asthma attack she suffered. And they land, go to the hotel, then grab for lunch, and then go scouting locations. Then, close to the end of the trip, Joe takes Emma to a uh, late lunch at the study, and Joe brings up Evelyn. Which leads Emma to ask how long they've been together. And now she finally learns Joe and Evelyn aren't a couple, just as platonic best friends. And then Emma realizes it's the thought of moving on from Joe herself, not her job as Joe's assistant, that terrifies her because she's become so familiarized with Joe's routines and ticks.
1: Yeah, I thought all those little realizations Emma was having was so cute like the realization that, oh, you're not dating Evelyn. And oh I am gonna miss you and I'm scared to move on and do new things and I without you next to me and like and then there but like just the setting was funny. Like these all these great big realizations and they're sitting at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> at the daddy. It was just kinda cool. Yep.
0: Nope. And, and 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 even and even in a in a bathroom, Emma has to take some time to recover in the bathroom. And even there, like she's mm-hmm. running she I like I like how she's running through like multiple events in her head. Like even like when people first when people like oh maybe saw that they were together Emma was like oh Joe is most likely straight or just like just more little moments like that where she ended up where she kept creating excuses to herself of why like nothing would ever happen between them but now she's like okay like she knows she knows that her boss is gay she knows she's single and she knows about like the the many intimate moments they've had together, and she's just running through the, all of the stuff in her brain, and, and Emma's just like, well, wait, could this actually mean something? Like, Can I create any more excuses to push this away? And all of this is like, as Emma is about to be, you know, not her assistant anymore, too, all of this mm-hmm. is happening. And even when Emma comes back to the table, and Joe is like, you're the best assistant I've ever had, Emma. And she says, before that, you were the best props PA uh, Ali had ever had. I hope at some point in the future, you'll be the best director I've ever worked with. Uh, and then afterwards, they're outside. And then, oh, Joe is getting close and tucking on Emma's scarf. And Joe asks if, he, if she has to inhaler. her. And then she just drops her hands and steps back. And again, getting physical for moments. Lots of tension there. Oh my god. But then the flight is delayed. So they go get a drink at a bar. Then we learn more about Emma being a film school dropout. And revealing it happened because the boyfriend she'd been dating at the time told her she wasn't any good. He was putting her down. Which, <laughs> that pissed me off. This
1: book did a... This, I was just, as you were saying that, I'm like, wow. This book really just tore men <laughs> apart. Which, as, as they should. As they should. Um, but yeah, another, like, harsh reality of, like, like, someone puts you down so you give up on a dream kind of thing, and like, but yeah, I was really glad Emma decided to go after it, after Joe's encouragement. Yes.
0: <gasps> and Joe is being supportive of her in court, encouraging her to pursue whatever she wants, and she's like, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. And I like how it says specifically that, that Emma's hard somersaults at the sight of Joe beaming at her. and. She, you know, she loves seeing Joe be just unrestrained around her when Joe is probably tightening things up around other people. And then, just flight remains delayed, even after even after the drinks, so they have to wait. And then Emma wakes up, realizes she had fallen asleep on Joe's shoulder, and I love how quickly, like, she wipes her mouth, knowing she drools sometimes, but she didn't drool on Joe, and she would have been mortified if she'd done that. And she's already embarrassed by dozing off on Joe in the first place. And it's like, and that's, and that's notable, like, Joe let her do that, you know? Letting her sleep on her shoulder. Oh, she's mm-hmm. cute. <gasps> it's also pretty nice when Joe is taking a nap and, on the flight and Emma is just, you know, looking at her and being like, oh, you're so gorgeous. And Emma is also realizing, like, this trip was strangely intimate, far more personal than on past trips. And now she's like, wait, is, does Joe reciprocate my feelings? And I like a quote when it says, she wanted to kiss Joe, was anything, and Joe had told her to go for what she wanted.
1: I thought that was a funny line. It was the, the, the like, "Go for what you want." Well, I want to kiss you, so <gasps>
0: especially since you know Joe won't do anything, so it's gonna be have to be Emma to take that take uh-huh. that first step. So now they're back in Los Angeles, they're taking the car ride back, and they're very close to holding hands in the back seat, and then they reach Emma's apartment. And to the moment where Joe says, I'm glad we didn't have any asthma incidents, like last trip. And it says here, maybe Joe was only talking about her asthma. Maybe Emma shouldn't have read into this. It was just that em- asthma had been a stand in of sorts, for when Joe wanted to talk about something more, something bigger. And then Joe wishes Emma a happy birthday. Oh, she remembers. Yeah. Which, and not even jo- Emma did that for her own birthday, not even she remembers. So, just spurs her on to go back to the car, and finally, kiss know, through the window, and a light kiss, not even any tongue, It still is so slow burn, even the official kiss itself.
1: Like, thank god. I think it's so funny. I think, okay, what page are we on when that
0: happens? Uh, I don't know about page, but we're in chapter 21. We're in chapter 21.
1: I just think it's so funny that, like... Reading this book, we get to chapter twenty-one, and we're like, "Thank God for the literal like smallest of kisses ever." And then on page seven of Merle Wilsner's next book, they're in the car together.
0: I know it is so, and it's just damn.
1: And I'm like, this is it's hilarious to me. Like it cracks me up how literally how excited I got over this little. I know in this book, and then in the next book that I read of theirs. I was like, wow, we're really just gonna go right for
0: that. Yeah, for one night stand so quickly, they just, they, they meet at the, they, Cassie and Aaron meet at the bar, and then they do it in the car. And it's just like.
1: Literally. No, it was so funny. Like how different Merle Wilsner's books yes. are. It's so funny.
0: And the pacing's good, you know, the pacing, it, it, it fills up. Like even uh, even uh, in mistakes are made. Very spicy, but I thought it appropriately spicy. Didn't feel overtly excessively it was such
1: an emotional slow burn that one was an
0: emotional yes slow burn. emotional slow burn which I think I think we, did we, I feel like we might have said that something along those lines because we had it in the top tens in our podcast before yes I
1: think we were talking about it in our yeah. top tens
0: I think we did mention that but and then because Joe was like I hope gonna taste a good one and my response after kissing her "It's pretty good so far before she goes up to uh, goes out to her, her building. And it's just like, you know, after the kiss and then... Uh, and then the next day, Avery shows up at Emma's place with cinnamon rolls and a cupcake, And Avery jo- just jokingly says, How is the kissing? But this makes Emma stumble. And Avery is like, wait, you did kiss, for real! <laughs> and and then they had a bet going on. Avery and her husband, Dylan, had a bet. And, th- and she's like, Dylan owes me a hundred bucks because I bet you and Joe would kiss before the end of the year. And she reveals that Dylan, he was like, He had a lot more faith than you, he thought it would be over by summer hiatus And they made this bet the day (laughs) after the SAG Awards And even before the SAGs, they were like, oh, Avery and Dylan had already suspected Maybe Emma and Joe would fall for each other And now we learn for Joe, for her side, she's been trying to come up with all of these possible texts To try to come up with, to text Emma with, and to try to say something But then, she got an email from, from a photographer and the photographer sends her email, so it's blackmailing her with photos of Emma kissing Joe. And Joe is obviously very upset by that. And it's like, damn. So Joe has to deal with that, with calling up Evans for advice, and she writes up an NDA and has to hand over the money to the photographer in exchange for the photos. And now Joe is kind of like, well, wait, who tipped him off? Because only Chantal and Emma knew about the specifics, about the trip. And when they come home, and she's like, well, wait, is it Emma lab? But then Chantal pulls her aside, reveals that she witnessed an exchange between a photographer and a PA. And then later on, of course, it was Phil who was the leak, so mm-hmm. he got fired. Although I will say, though, I do feel like that part was resolved a bit too quickly. Phil's getting fired so fast, and I don't know, like, he's not going to cause a trouble in the future, are you sure about that? Right. I thought I like it was, was all just a bit too quickly.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the things we were, we're critiquing about this book is very, like, debut novel stuff. Yeah. Like, like it makes sense for, like, it, I agree that that, um, that issue should have been maybe fleshed out a little bit more, but I think it's very typical of a debut novel to have some of these, like, minor, just, like, not quite closed correctly
0: type thing. Yeah. She's a party shop. Yeah, sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Joe was giving out holiday cards to the cast and crew. And the last one she gave Emma when she was back in props was was special, apparently a special one. Her gift card was double the amount that everyone else got. Mm-hmm. And again, that was back when Emma was in props. Not even now. It was back when she was in props. And then Joe jo writes her card for this year, her holiday card, and writes, Emma, you don't just make my job easier, you make my life better. I'm so grateful to have you in it. And she writes her signature as just Joe. And, you know, it's very cute. Mm-hmm. And she leaves it at Emma's desk when Emma's away. And then Emma arrives at, uh, at Joe's office a few minutes later, mad at Joe is being a coward and being like, You're a coward. You just left the car there when Emma, when, when I'm away, you couldn't even deliver it in person. which I thought it was kind of amusing. Yeah. So now we learn about Phil getting fired. And she's like, you know, why does it even matter? It never mattered when people thought I was fucking you for months, but one picture of us kissing and you ignore me for the entire day trying to deal with it. And just like, you know, this means something to Joe now. But this whole relationship, but now she sends Emma home and then calls out Evelyn. And she's like, I want to go after her, but I can't do this. I feel ashamed about this, it's wrong. But Evelyn is supporting her. And she's especially pointing out how if Joe didn't want any encouragement, she wouldn't even have even called her. And even with, uh, when Joe brings out Barry Davis, and it's like, well, what about that? And I don't want to harm Emma after he deals all that trap. But Evelyn grounds her and he's like, hey, Barry Davis is a separate thing. She's being a creep on his own. You're not too- at fault for that. And Joe finally is just like, I have to go. So, you know, finally, so she goes over to Emma's place and arrives with coffee. And Joe stumbles. Is stumbling at first? And Emma is about to shoot sugar out of there before she starts crying, and it's like Emma. Yeah. And but then Joe asks to kiss her again, so then finally they kiss, again, and you know the, you know finally and, and then they're talking for a while about how they felt each, towards each other these past few months. You know, being more open, being more vulnerable. Finally, and then the next day is when the hiatus starts, and now Emma and, and Joe are not each other at work, so it's a big change. I love when Emma, essentially, invited herself over for New Year's. Yes. <laughs> and I love when Joe calls Emma just to say hello and wish her a happy Hanukkah when she's celebrating it with her family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was cute, you know, I nice little gesture. And then her family, Emma's family, teases her about her new girlfriend. <sighs> and then on New Year's Eve, Emma goes over to Joe's place. Yeah, and so the chatting, having fun. I love when Emma accidentally calls Joe boss and Joe says he can call me a girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> and then they have dinner and I think closer and closer to midnight and then they start making out. And then it just leads on leads, you know, to the full on spice for the book. Which I will say, I before this point I was kind of like, Wait, is this book just gonna just gonna skip the spice entirely? <laughs> but it does like it builds up to it again, slow burn, but it saves it, saves it, up, it up right for the ending. And mm-hmm. and even like, I I, lo- I actually love how I thought, it, I thought it was handled quite well. Like, even when the way it starts, when they're both like, when they both say, Is this okay at the same time? You know, because you know, consent is consent is good, consent is healthy. Yes,
1: yes, yes. yes.
0: And, and they they don't even care about seeing the ball drop. That's how much that that's how much they want to dive in, dive into the steam, the horniness. But mm-hmm. so, so this whole scene, how do you feel like it was handled, despite here?
1: I think it was handled really well. I think I didn't think the book was gonna have any smut in it See? because of how slow burning like it me, was. Yeah. But I mean, in the, yeah, I think in the end, like I did appreciate the enthusiastic consent piece. That was funny. Oh.
0: Even when if even when Emma was was described as being very, very loud. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And then finally it's New Year. They wake up into New Year. And then Emma asked I like when Emma asks about what Evelyn thinks about them being together. And Joe was like, I believe her exact words were, Thank God, you finally got your shit together. Oh. <laughs> and Emma tells her about Avery and her husband betting on them. But they do point out the rap party kiss and they're like I guess the rap party kiss doesn't count. Because Dylan was like, Well Joe was betting on them kissing before the summer hiatus But again the rap party kiss was accidental and it wasn't. Yeah,
1: doesn't really yeah. count.
0: So Joe asked Emma to come with her again to the psych Awards this year. It's this time as her official date. Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect. And now we have the epilogue. And the epilogue is basically just them getting ready for that ceremony dressing up you know just like you know just like last year it's funny how this time emma last time noticed the attractiveness of joe and her dress last year but now this time she openly expresses it and she even says like are you trying to are you trying to yeah. kill me Yep. Weird. so they're going over the ceremony so they're going to go walk out on the red carpet they're going to step out and that's where the epilogue leaves us that's it what ends right there <gasps> that's something to talk about yay what a journey and the way that Joe's outfit is described, I actually really liked it, because it's described as being like a black suit, top button open on a white dress shirt, bow tie hanging undone around her neck. And it actually reminded, it actually reminded mm-hmm. me of a look that Tristan Stewart has, kind of like this, kind of like this semi-formal, semi casual look And happier mm-hmm. Season. It reminded me very much of that. And I was like, oh yeah, that looks good, yeah. <gasps> uh, so, what do you think? Any, any final thoughts on something to talk about?
1: No, I just, I think it was really good. I think it was a really great sapphic romance, which we don't get a lot of. I can't wait for more of Miller Merrill Wilner's writing. Yes. Well, their name is a little hard to say, okay. but I can't wait for more of their writing. <laughs> um,
0: yes. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited as well, and, you know, just, I'm happy to be able to dive into this, you know, again, you know, again last year I did read the first few chapters, then I had to put it down, but now I'm like, finally this year, June. Oh, I've got to say, I've got to say at the opening of the episode, uh, this episode is part of uh, as part of five months. It's the second episode of June. As part of a whole month of doing for queer content on a podcast for June. So, oh yeah, yeah. I've got to I've got to say that at the top of the episode. But yep, yeah, that's why I'm doing this, and I'm glad to. I I had this reason to dive back into something to talk about, and now you know, I've got lots of love for it now, and. No. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I, I still have more to read. Like I feel like bright fall series by Ashley Herring Flake. Yeah, I still need to read that, and I've and I've heard lots of love for it.
1: The, what, what's the title of those books?
0: Delilah Green doesn't care, and then Astrid Parker yes. doesn't fall, and then Iris Kelly doesn't date. Yeah, all part of the bright fall series. Yes,
1: I loved Delilah Green. I haven't read Astrid Parker yet, but Delilah
0: Green was delightful. Yep. Yeah, on my on my TBR pile, but. That's something to talk about now, and, ooh, yay! And I don't if we, if we don't have any more final thoughts to offer on the book, I think we can move on to good word. This is a segment now where each of us gets to recommend something, a book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, music, anything we want. So now, Logan, what is your good word?
1: I think my good word is going to be the, the Sun and the Star by Rick Riordan. I haven't read it yet. I just bought it. But it's the Nico D'Angelo and Will Solis off book. And it's very cute. I already know it's gonna be very cute. It's throwing me back into my Percy Jackson phase, which I'm not mad about. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be my wreck if any, any old Percy Jackson fans are around.
0: There's a new book out in the Percy Jackson universe. Yes, yeah, It's been a while since I've read any of the Verse books, unfortunately. But definitely, yeah, I, I've I, I've enjoyed quite a few of them. And I'm I'm glad that we're going to have the Disney Plus series coming up. You know, hopefully that does right by the books. Hopefully.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I'm grateful I was looking through my notes because I thought maybe I missed something. And I did. I, I turned, okay, so something else I did have to go the ending. I feel like it rushed over just a bit too much about the public perception of Joe and Emma. I feel like it didn't do enough to acknowledge like, hey, people aren't gonna be shitty about some getting getting together. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like the two of them should have should have grappled with that head on. I feel like they should have been like, hey, we know there's gonna be a whole bunch of speculation about us, a whole bunch of people saying like, well, uh, well, you know, maybe it's a predatory lesbian thing thing going on, or the workplace crap, you know, but we're gonna we're gonna push through that because love conquers all. I feel like that would have been good to have yeah. that in the book, but I feel like, again, it just brushes over that. Again, a little gripe, yeah, think, but still.
1: No, I think the book kind of did make the assumption of, oh, the world's going to be fine with it because we're not going to be working together anymore, yes. which I don't, I don't think would be it the wouldn't. case because there was already the rumors about them dating, so people would have just assumed that they were dating while Emma was her assistant. And so, like... Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit of a grudge I mean, me
0: yeah, sure. for all of all of the people who are like, oh, they're dating women and stuff, it just we'll just prove them right. And so they would have yeah. to come come up with a you know, defenses for that. Just like, hey, you no, know, we gotta expect this, come our way. So But again, overall it's a strong book. Strong recommend. If you haven't read it yet, you know, go pick it up. If you listen to the spoilery plot discussion. Yeah. And now for my good word, I'll present Inside man which is this crime miniseries, it's British, it came over from BBC and now it's here in the U.S. on Netflix. And it was, I gotta say, it was a fun time. And not the show is technically, I don't know, good per se, but it's very entertaining. And I'm just, and I'm just saying that about, you know, the good quantity of it because this is the kind of thing where you're gonna watch it and see characters make a lot of idiotic decisions. They're just baffling you with the choices they're making, and it's like, why are you doing this? This is so dumb! And normally that would really bug me if the characters are just acting this way in order to uh, to progress the plot, but I end up forgiving that because of just how purely entertaining the this, this miniseries is. It has some good twists and turns. I love the actors on it, especially David Tennant and Stanley Tucci, Philip's particularly great on it. I mean, David Tennant is just this faker who has kidnapped this woman and he's trying to protect someone who's porn. And then you've got Stanley Tucci, he's playing this prisoner who's on death row for murdering his wife, and that's also fun to watch. And In general, Tucci is just so charming. Also the best part of Citadel on Prime Video, if I may say so myself. He is such a he is so charismatic on that spy Shiller series, which is entertaining but also generically written. But going back to Inside Man, again pretty pretty you know it was a blast to watch honestly, and even uh, there were some interesting bits of cinematography and editing that this miniseries does, which I also thought were you know were pretty good. And I liked the direction for the miniseries, and I don't think there'll be another season. I think this is just it because. It does end in a way that does make you go, oh, wait, will, be, will there be another season maybe? But I don't think so. I think this is just it, it's just these four episodes. And yeah, only four episodes. Mm-hmm. And I think each one is like maybe 45 minutes or like 45 minutes to an hour long. So you can definitely uh, finish this pretty quickly. Again, it's on Netflix, Inside Man. I say go ahead and watch it. Again. Characters acting moronically the whole time. And just like, why? Like, why is the writing being like this? But if you're able to overlook that for the overall and ent- entertainment factor, then I think you might have a, a blast with this miniseries. And, uh, alright, so now I've given all good words. So, Logan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, coming back to Two Sense Critics for your third guest spot. And now you can. Promote yourself, promote your socials, plug, you know, whatever you, you want to plug.
1: Yeah, anytime. I always love coming on here. Promo, I guess, if you want to join our Discord server, hit up Arthur. He can get you the link or something, I don't know. But yeah, it's a good time. We talk about lots of stuff, more than just queer books, but it's always good discussion and lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: we it, 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 it's not just yeah, queer books. We also do have even like a movie discussion and some TV discussion too. We have a channel for that in the server, so... Yes, quite fun, and and I'll include uh, a link to the server and episode description as well, so anyone wants to check that out, you know, you can just click on the invite link. Yeah. And as for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore says critic. You can follow my personal accounts on Twitter, Good Pods, Soygraph, Letterboxd, and TikTok at also underscore anti eighteen. You can find me on Goodreads and also Howell. If you want to email me. You can reach me at email at Critic at yahoo.com. You can also check out my blog at com, And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify, GoodPod, all of those services. And you know, I'm, be- I'm being serious about the reviews and ratings especially because they really do help to bump us and the podcasters up the charts. Spread us to more of your human ears. And once again, thank you so much, Logan, for coming back on. Such a, such a great time finally covering this episode, covering the something to talk about as part of five months. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and until next time, stay healthy and stay strong.